How's it, guys? Welcome back for another episode. You're here with me, Nick. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie. Ronald, how are you doing over there, bud? I'm sick. I'm sick and I'm in Europe, far away from my South African doctors. So you're sick and you're in Spain. Does that mean you have the Spanish flu? That's a terrible joke. Let's move on. <laughs> Shame you're struggling, though, but Ronnie, is something you caught on the plane over. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's something from the plane. I just think it's getting on the buses, that sort of stuff. Very cold here too. I did get caught outside in the rain with my shorts on at one point. Maybe it's all of that. Yeah, fair enough. Getting used to that cold European weather after being back here for a while. So yeah, guys, sorry, Ronnie and I have been absent for a few weeks. Quite a few of you did reach out and we really appreciate that, guys. We lost someone close to us. We just needed a minute to get through that. And We've got some funny stories to catch you guys up on, though, because as most of you know, I was swimming the eight mile. Thank you so much to everyone that donated. Collectively, we raised over five million rand at the swim. That's going to a number of charities. The one I was supporting was cancer. But good old Ronald was back in South Africa for a bit, and he came down to, to Midmar with me. Hey, Ronnie, we took a, like, a, a drive down to the Midlands. Couldn't, couldn't let my buddy drive down by himself, so I did that. What any solid friend would do. So Ronnie and I climb in the car here in Pretoria and we pull onto the highway and on, on the dashboard it flashes there. Top up ad blue. So, you know, being generally, uh, I don't know. Being men. Being men. That's probably the best way to put it there, Ronnie. Being men. We looked at each other and confidently nodded. Mm, ad blue. This is like antifreeze. Not important. And Not important. <laughs> on we went with our trip, eh, Ronnie? How did that work out for us? Yeah, so the German vehicle that uses AdBlue starts a countdown timer at some point. I think it started with a thousand kilometers and eventually we reached a thousand kilometers and we were what, 10 kilometers from Belier in yeah. the middle of nowhere. A one horse town where the horse died 10 years ago. And yeah, so literally I, I decided I'm tired from driving. We're outside Harry Smith, past Harry Smith, and I asked Ronnie to take over the wheel and we pull over at this nice little truck stop where there's a bench and some shade and all of that swap seats and ronnie pulls off in the, the audi and we go onto the tar road like as we're rejoining the highway and the vehicle just out not working hey so now we know what adblue does and we know it's crucial for the operation of a vehicle we know that it's not anti-freeze and we won't be making that mistake again but it also turns out it was something else completely yeah so we we get a tow to the petrol station and there's ronnie and i seven liters of adblue by the way it's not like a little oil bottle. Seven liters of this stuff we put into the car. Ronnie's read the manual. No, the car will start two minutes after you filled it up. It will register. There we go. No, this car is going nowhere. So we had to get a tow all the way back to Joburg in the tow truck. Nice fellow, Ronnie, but uh, on his phone the whole time and there were no seat belts. It was quite an intense trip back to Joburg. I didn't pay attention. I just sat staring out the window. I had a good time in that truck. It was very fun. <laughs> Your arm got very, very sunburned. I might share with all of you the photo of Ronnie's sunburned arm on the socials this week, so check the stories. But yeah, we go all the way back to Joburg, drop the vehicle off at Audi, and here's your the two intelligent guys, Nick and Ronnie, thinking it was AdBlue. Meanwhile, the cam belt snapped. So <laughs> <laughs> we're worrying about one thing. It was something completely different. I think Regardless, the cat. the cam belt resulted in us learning about AdBlue. So uh, we know AdBlue didn't. Wasn't the cause, but at least we know everything there is to know about AdBlue now. Yeah, we know that it could have been the cause. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a bit of a, a mission from our side. 
But otherwise, a lack of time down there. And like I said, thanks so much, everyone, for donating. But Ronnie, we've missed a lot of the rugby action this, these past few weeks. So I think we're going to cover a bit of the Six Nations, look ahead to the URC, and also just discuss you know, where these international sides are at this point in the Six Nations, three games down. So, Ronnie, where are you on Superbrew in the Six Nations? Because I am first, if you, if you check the schedule, that says Nick in first. Where are so you? So this was something that I was supposed to check before we started this meeting. I can tell you where so you're, you're 1,506 last. Okay, there's no way you're first. There's no way. So little faith. There's in no, if, you, if I'm 1,000, there's no way. That's, that's impossible. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be truthful. I am 1,180th at the moment. I did make some silly picks this weekend to try and catch everyone off guard. So sorry, say that again. You are? 1,180th. Where are you, Ronald? I'm 453rd. Lies. I don't believe that. I want a screen grab, please. No. You can and go and scroll all the way to 453rd and check, see my name there. We'll definitely have to do that. But Ronnie, it's also quite sick. I don't know if you've noticed that almost every punted pool on Superbrew is at a thousand or more players, which is really great. So thanks to all of you that, that tune into the pod and play in our pools there. We really enjoy having you. And it's lack of beating Ronnie, isn't it, guys? And this week's superest of brews currently in the lead in the Six Nations is Johan Willems. So lucky, Johan. Shout out to you, bud. Well done. Yeah, so Ireland Wales this past weekend. A little bit disappointing if you're a Welsh fan, to be quite honest, only being only, only able to score one penalty try. So uh, not really not really anything positive coming out of that game if you're a Welsh fan. But Ireland, you know, they stomped their way to maximum points again. You know, it's been three rounds, maximum points every single time. It's, yeah, what, what, what else is there? I did not know. That no, no previous team had ever had ever scored maximum points every round. So to me, mm, I really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, look, I I was cheeky in this game. I picked Wales by one on Superbrew. I was hoping for the upset, but like you say, I mean, seven points for Wales and it was via a penalty try. Really doesn't say much for where the Welsh are this season. You know, very very young side and whatnot. But Ireland going ahead, they're playing bloody well and also great to watch. Look, I think we're being a little bit harsh on Wales as well. There are a couple of times there where they did exceptionally well, but Ireland is just so good defense and managed to hold Wales, hold hold them out close to the, the dry line. Yeah, I know that's also true. Hopefully this young Welsh side will learn. Ronnie, what are you making of Ireland without Johnny Sexton? They don't seem to be skipping much of a beat, eh? Yeah, well, Crowley's going to have to be there for the next 30 years. So he's, he's <laughs> done, he started really well. And yeah. Look, he's he's performing he's he's performing exceptionally well, you know, filling big shoes with Sexton. But you know, Ireland is still as dominant as ever. Yeah, Ireland's still playing very good rugby. They don't seem to have missed a beat since getting knocked out in the quarterfinals for the eighth time. Sorry, I had something in my throat there, Ronnie. <laughs> then we go over for some Calcutta Cup action. Scotland 30-21 England. Ronnie, how much did you enjoy this just because England lost? No, of, of course, England losing, fantastic. Duan van der scoring three tries, fantastic. There was, there was not much you couldn't love. The fact that Duan van der got yellow carded and got mad of the match at the same time, fantastic. Literally 10 seconds apart. Eh? It's like 71 minutes, 23 seconds, man of the match. 33 seconds, <laughs> yellow carded. So, 
really, really well done from Duan. Three tries is incredible. The first Scottish player ever to do it against England in like 156 years or something like that. So very well done. Do you reckon he's the world's best wing at the moment, Ronnie? No, I don't know. I, you know, I want to say that he is the world's best wing, but there was also the argument that he couldn't cut it in South Africa, so he went over there, and we now have the world's best wingers playing for the Springboks. But the reality is Duan is Duan's fantastic, and the way he runs, he shouldn't be that quick. He should not be that quick. The way his little arms move really quickly, it's fun. It's magical to see. No, he is really, really great to watch, and he seems to manage to create things from nothing. There's truly nothing on and suddenly he's breaking down and doing what South African wingers tend to like to do against the English fullbacks and tens inside, outside and try time. Yeah, a couple of his tries were exceptional. I thought that, you know, there was one particular try that I won't, I won't mention the one that you want to mention, but there was one where he, it was turnover ball and uh, Hugh Jones popped him, popped that ball and he just backed himself and burnt around the outside, which I thought, what an amazing try. Yeah, no, absolutely. He really had a good game. I did feel like the scoreline flattered England a little bit. They really had to fight hard for those 21 points. They were 10-0 up at one point, but, you know, they didn't really seem in that game and their forwards were struggling, really, really struggling. 22 turnovers lost. I mean, that's not what you would have expected from an England pack two, three years ago. Where's Maro Etoje, you know, at once touted as the world's best lock? He's really not showing up for his side at the moment. So do you think England need Owen Farrell back? Well, they've got to go two years without him now, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But Personally, I thought George Ford did all right. I think George Ford is a better 10 than Owen Farrell is. This is the same case as the same argument as Bowden Barrett, Richie Munga, I think. You know, George Ford is just a better all-round 10, and I thought England... You know, we're less exciting, but more structured. Yeah, I think George Ford is the kind of 10 that really needs a pack going forward as well. And mm-hmm. any 10 would struggle with the current circumstances. And we also can't forget Marcus Smith. I mean, he's injured at the moment, but he will still be available for England. And he arguably offers exactly the opposite of what George Ford does. Yeah, and this now makes it four in a row for Scotland. Four Calcutta Cup victories to them in a row. That's harsh reading for the English fans as well. Looks like it wasn't just Eddie that struggles against against these guys. Yeah, but that's it's it. a little bit longer than that. It's a little bit longer than that as well because there was a draw at some point, which meant that Scotland retained the Calcutta Cup. So the Calcutta Cup doesn't know what English weather is like at this point. Nope, not at all. Not at all. Right then, personally, I have an extremely controversial match, but probably my favourite of the weekend: France, Italy. Nick, I hope that you managed to, to see what, what unfolded here. You know, it all went down after the 80th minute. I thought that France were exceptionally lucky. The fact that, you know, they were lucky last week or two weeks ago against uh, Scotland coming away with a, a win there. And they're lucky to not lose this game against Italy now, uh, this week. So France should be three losses for three, but somehow magically they aren't. But anyway, so there was a draw between France and Italy, 13-0. Italy played exceptionally well, in my opinion, or a little bit of that, and and a com- combined with uh, France not doing so well. I see a lot of a lot of people are complaining that France now needs a new coach, which I think is a little bit premature to to say. Fabien Gauthier is obviously still excellent, but yeah, a lot of people playing for his head. How do you rate that Dante yellow card that was upgraded to a red at halftime affected the game? You know, were France looking like the team to beat before he went off, or was that a real major impact for them? 
You know, I personally don't believe in the impact of a red card. I'm probably going to be very hypocritical here at some point in the future. And so red card affected the game. But, you know, I think that red cards, teams generally step up and play a lot better when they're one man down like that. So we've seen it before. I often talk about the Sharks beating the Chiefs with 13 players many years ago. So this is just one of those things. I don't, I think France should have comfortably beaten Italy. you know, if even even a man down. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think France were not playing up to standard even before that that card and playing 40 minutes without him obviously does affect a game, but they weren't showing anything with him there beforehand. France really looking flat at the moment. And this incident in the 80th, Ronald? It's a lot to unpack, yeah. It's, aside from the fact that they actually had a water boy on the pitch walking around, you know, you're supposed to stand still for a, for a penalty. That's something you're taught even in junior rugby in South Africa. Can't move around. You know, the fact that the water boy is moving around, he's throwing water bottles at the players, he's obstructing, you know, clearly being a visual, and the word is interference, he's a distraction, that's a good word. You know, they also charged down when the ball fell off the tee. You know, they approached the kicker, which you're not allowed to do with, with a penalty kick. So, you know, the referee should have awarded a re-kick, you know, restarted the clock and, and done it over again. But, you know, honestly, <laughs> he still hit the post. And that's about as close as it's going to get, you know, an inch to the left. And, you know, they would have won the game. Small margins. Yeah, I saw a tweet today that was like, France are one camera angle and one centimeter away from having lost three in a row. Yeah. Yeah, so struggles, struggles there for France. And now to see another major playmaker for the French side, Jalibert getting injured, really makes worry. You know, you've got Dupont out, Intermac out. Now you're losing Jalibert. Basically, Jaminet and Peno left to spark that attack at the moment. Absolutely. And Italy also lacking a little bit in, in their attacking abilities so, yeah let's hope that Italy obviously steps up their game we've been asking this of them for years now but you know at some point things need to, need to happen yeah no absolutely the Italians need to develop some sort of a killer instinct because they had the game within their grasp and they just couldn't finish it off Ronnie let's just have a look at the six nations in general where these sides are you know they're going to be touring the southern hemisphere in July going to various countries we've got Ireland coming here but We've mentioned our Super Brew Pool, guys. If you want to join that, you still can. The pool code is GINSOATH, G-I-N-S-O-A-T-H. So come and join us there. You can come and beat Ronnie, who's in 1,300 and something plates. Ronnie, let's start off with England. Okay, so, you know, we, we mentioned briefly Owen Farrell, is, he's going over to France. So he's not available for selection. Now, Jamie George as captain, I'd like to hear what you think on that. I mean, yes, he's a definite starter, which is the first step in naming a captain. But I feel like he's quite in contrast to Owen Farrell. You know, he's much more personable and interviewable and relatable too. He's a lot calmer, right? It's controversial off-field, on-field, wherever you want to be. He brings some stability, leading from the front. Obviously, having played hooker myself, I can say it's a very important role. And, you know, people always look up to you. <laughs> claiming to be a front rower now, hey, Ronald. Yeah. Your eighth men friends would be so disappointed in you. Yeah, no, look, I think Jamie George, look, I don't have a problem with Jamie George. Uh, you know, like I've said, he actually does lead from the front. He's not going to let you down at this point. Uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's good in the lineouts. He does his job exceptionally well. And then just like we said, I think very important to England at the moment is to remove some con- controversy. 
you know, people love to hate Owen Farrell. So now maybe let's start winning over the fans again with a likable character like uh, Jamie George. Yeah, for sure. I have to agree with you. I think Borthwick named the right player there. Uh, you know, Harry Arundel, it's quite funny. The rumor is that him and Owen Farrell don't get along. So Arundel left England. He went over to France. And now Owen Farrell's just signed for the same team as him in France to join Sia Khaleesi over there. So if those rumors are true, that's a bit of a crap one. Felix Jones, the Bach coach for 2019 and 2023 World Cup wins, is now with England coaching their defense. Warren Gatlin's criticized him, saying he's trying to copy-paste the Bach defense. What do you make of that, Ronnie? And should he be passing on our secrets? Yeah, look, this is a professional sport at some point. You know, you just have to, you, you have to understand that, you know, loyalty is where the paycheck comes from. But look, I think Felix Jones, naturally, you will try and copy and paste. You know, it's so short since he was at the Springboks. He's naturally, he's going to be copying and pasting and trying to try out some of the Springbok strategies on England and things that worked at the Springboks. So it's going to take him some time to start developing around what England is, who England is. So yeah, look, I think naturally he is, that's exactly exactly what he's doing and and Warren Gatlin's right but I think Warren Gatlin shouldn't be criticizing him because what else are you supposed to do he's just supposed to come up with something magical overnight yeah I know for sure and I mean at the end of the day yeah he may be taking Springbok game plan over there but we all know Rossi's already got something ridiculous cooked up for the next four years so I don't really mind yeah we'll go right ahead and but look the reality is that England of all the teams around the world play a very similar game to the Springbok so you know, chances are things could work out. Yeah, and then, I mean, we also saw Charlie Ewells get a call-up to the England squad. He was here in Pretoria for a bit, playing with the Bulls on loan. And then Tom Curry, the Wittkant, he is not available for England. He underwent hip surgery after the World Cup, so he's still ruled out of the injury. Right, then another team in the Six Nations. I don't know if you heard, but Ireland also plays Six Nations. We spoke about the fact that uh, they've got maximum points from every round so far which is very interesting. But another interesting, did you know that you get extra points for winning a Grand Slam in the Six Nations? What do you mean you get extra points? If you win, if you win the Grand Slam, you get three extra points. Points for what? For the arcade, for the World Rugby rankings in the Six Nations? Six, six, six Nations lock, you get extra points for winning the Grand Slam. Yeah. Okay, that's so cool. Five games. From uh, five games in the Six Nations, you can get a maximum of five points for each game. And if you win all of them, you get an extra three. So I don't know how your math is, but that's a total of 28 points. And that's to ensure that if you win the Grand Slam, you don't come second to somebody who who may have lost one game but got bonus points in every other game. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. And now Ireland, what, they're in line for to be the first team ever to win two back-to-back Grand Slams and back-to-back Six Nations. Yeah, so I think we need to talk about this. We need to all be shouting it. We need to be screaming it because we don't want it to happen. I'm sorry, I don't want Ireland to 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 get such an incredible record. But yes, so they are in line to to get maximum points and back up their their performance from last year. So look, let's let's jinx them. <laughs> let's make sure they don't get that. But yeah, so they've got. Uh, you 10 and obviously Sexton's out. Sexton was in the stands this past weekend so he was less animated than he was the last time he's had in the stands watching a game. But yeah, so we've got Jack Crowley, Kieran Frawley, Munster-Leinster combinations uh, at 10. That should be interesting to see. Uh, your favourite player, Mr. Mac Hansen, who longer playing at the moment with an injury. 
I'm not sure why you like him so much, but uh, yeah, he's he's injured at the moment. The name, man, Mac Hansen. <laughs> that's a cool name. You're yeah. right, but it's a cool name. It's like Ron Swanson. But yeah, I think Crowley and Frawley have both impressed me so far, stepping into Sexton's shoes. I mean, they've come into a well-oiled machine, so that's also great for them that they're getting that opportunity. But I don't know, Ronnie, I feel differently to you. I don't mind Ireland getting this record and then coming here for a Polokwane to Kakamas. In July. You're right. But it makes me nervous, though. It doesn't make me nervous. And I'm a very fickle fan, I suppose, in that sense. You know, I was nervous when we were going to the final last year, thinking, oh, yes, I can't believe we've gone through all this effort only to watch the All Blacks beat us in the final. So sorry to, sorry about that. But I am nervous about Ireland coming over to South Africa. Yeah, it's going to definitely going to be an interesting one to see. Ronnie, over to France. Now, I actually want to compare France and Ireland because both teams exited in the quarterfinals, just in case anyone missed that. It was Ireland's eighth time doing that as well. <laughs> but France seemed to have slid down. They haven't seemed to be able to get over this World Cup and the loss. They think they're very much expected to win it. And on the other hand, you've got Ireland, who also really were in with a the shot. They were favorites going in, but they seem to have you know, bounced back, improved their game and only picked up and intensified from there. How does that difference come about? Yeah, that's obviously an interesting uh, 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 perspective that you just, that you bring me up there. Nick, I don't know what the story is. I think maybe France got hammered by uh, their loss to the Springboks a little bit harder than Ireland did. You know, Ireland's probably used to exiting in, in, in the quarterfinals. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but they did so for the eighth time. But yeah, I think France is probably a little bit hungover after, you know, losing to the Springboks last year and, you know, maybe a little bit desperate to, to get back to what they, what they previously, uh, their position that they were previously at, you know, being contenders for, for best in the world and favorites in the world. And yeah, unfortunately, they might be making stupid errors as a result of focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to give Ireland credit for, for where they are in France. I think a big problem for me with the French side is how much emphasis they place on a single player like Dupont. It's as if he's the whole team, he's absent now, and they're just nowhere. Um, you know, it's a very different cultural outlook on the French team to what you would see with the Springboks, for example. And I think that has played a role in here. How great has it been, though, Ronnie, to see Solo Tuilagi getting a call-up, getting his Six Nations debut? He's still eligible for the Under-21 World Cup this year. And, and he's you know, huge. He's huge. I think the Tua Luggy legacy must be the most successful rugby legacy in the world or in history. I think they're, I think they're also the, the rugby family that eats the most. <laughs> yeah. so. Holy moly, can you imagine a Christmas braai with them? Yes. No, unbelievable. No, I agree. Priscilla, it's fantastic to see him there, and you're absolutely dead right. The Tua Luggies, you know, they, they name, their name is synonymous with, with rugby, so and will be for, for many decades. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is also now the first year ever that France are playing games away from the Stade Francais. They're playing all around France. In Marseille, they were in Lille the last weekend, and then they're off to Lyon for their final fixture of the Six Nations. You know, great to see them traveling, but not playing the best rugby for the fans that are coming up to see them in these destinations. Great show, but I think it's forced because of the Olympics later this year. Yeah, so... Paris is busy prepping for that. Ronnie, Gregor Aldrich named captain. It's an interesting choice. You know, he's 30 years old. I thought maybe Charles Olivan was going to be in with a shout there. He's much younger, 26. But I mean, can't complain much. Aldrich is a fantastic player. 
And at the age of 30, who's to say he won't be there in four years' time? Yeah, I think France is blessed with a number of leaders that are, I wouldn't say aged. No, they're, they're young enough to still be there for the next cycle and old enough to, you know, they have a lot of experience behind them. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Ultra, uh, probably more so than Olivon. So by all means, go, well done, Gregor Aldrit. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so then lock position, I suppose that's one thing talking about where they currently are. But I think what's more important is the fact that France, you know, after complaining so much after the quarterfinal from against Springboks last year, things are so unfair. You know, they're very lucky to not be bottom of the log with three from three losses. You know, they there was a try against Scotland that should have been allowed. Well, it was a try, but I think the correct call was made there. And now with... Uh, the shenanigans after the 80th minute against Italy. You know, France are very lucky to not be the wooden spoons contenders at the moment. No, that would be bad, eh? From glory boys to wooden spooners. Yes, that would be terrible. Yeah, then we've got Scotland. Scotland, I see the first point here up for discussion is this concept of co-captains. You know, that very interesting. It's, I suppose it's when a, a coach can't decide and doesn't want to lose the, uh, lose the team to make two captains. Why? I don't know. You can't co-lead. Makes no sense to me. You can have a forwards captain and a backline captain, but you know who leads captain's practice on a Friday? That's what it comes down to. So you're saying you think it's sort of like a situation of duress. He doesn't want to lose the change room, so he can't pick between the two. Because, I mean, he's named, what, Finn Russell and Rory Dodge, co-captains. I agree with you. I don't think the co-captain system is an ideal one. I think you need one clear leader and then a leadership group around him. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. I, you know, they've got a number of players in there that have been captains previously as well that aren't in this, that aren't one of the two co-captains. You know, we saw Australia do it as well last year. You know, what happened to them? Uh, They were a little bit directionless. But yeah, it makes no sense to me. And it's probably just, you know, to keep, I would, I would assume, having watched the Six Nations documentary on Netflix, that it's probably to keep Finn happy yeah well i mean i think also it's maybe an endorsement by gregor townsend of finn russell that they've put the past disagreements behind them maybe and they're willing to work together now for for the team so that's at least a good sign and ronnie alec hepburn another player making a shift under the the law changes allowing you to switch countries useful one for scotland he wasn't being used by the english yeah look i think that's a definite pro for this for the, for the new laws and, and switching the teams that you play for. You know, players that don't get used, that uh, aren't being selected, you know, can go apply their trade elsewhere and still remain relevant at first-class rugby level. Uh, so it's fantastic to see. Yeah, then quickly over it's, to Italy. I don't think there's much for us to say here. Expectations of Italy, you know, we, it's tough for them. They are the bottom team of the Six Nations. You want to see them get an upset here and there, but I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting them for a top two or even top three finish at this point, hey? Yeah, unfortunately not. But do you, we say this year in, year out. So at what point is this, is this going to change? At what point is Georgia going to enter the conversation again? True, true. And then uh, Safa Broad called up to the, the Italian team, Ross Vincent, playing at flank there. He's got a call up, so he will no longer be eligible for the box. Ronnie, over to your favorite anthem. Uh, Wales. Yeah, look, I think a little bit disappointing, but if you if you go look at the team, the team is exceptionally young. They're going through a rebuilding phase, uh, which you know, quite often I think is 
is, you know, all coaches go through it after a very disappointing World Cup cycle. They tend to to rebuild after that. But yeah, Wales Wales not being very successful this World Cup. I think they are very lucky themselves not to be the wooden spooners at this point. But yeah, David Jenkins, youngest captain ever, right? So that's very interesting. Impressive. But you know, if you look at Alan Wynne Jones and a number of big name players over the years, you know, they also became what they were at a younger age. And that's always good to see that bodes well for eight years from now, four years from now. You know, a lot of experience and still young enough to 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 be at the top of their, their game. Youngest Welsh squad ever, too. So, you know, that's exactly that speaks to that rebuilding phase, which obviously makes them very dangerous for four and eight years from now. Yeah, I think Wales had a very, very experienced side. So at some point this was always gonna come. I think Gatlin deserves to be trusted for a bit. The most frustrating thing for me about watching Wales is at the moment is they don't seem to be able to put more than 40 minutes of rugby together in a game. It's either the first half or the second half where they play, they defend well, but not string a full 80 together. And yeah, that probably comes down to youth and a lack of experience. But yeah, I'd love to see Wales returning to top up the Six Nations. Still, Wales, a couple of the key injuries that they have to deal with every year. It is unfortunate for many years they struggled with Lee Halfpenny, but now looks Jack Morgan got, you know ruled out with of a, you know injury to his knee requiring knee surgery. So that's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, no, that's true. It's always difficult to deal with those injuries, but it'll be interesting to see what Wales does by November when the Southern teams are coming to tour them there. Ronnie, then something a little bit closer to home. I think it's time we take a look at the URC. Returning to action this weekend while the Six Nations is on a break. Yeah, my team not doing so well. Your new found team doing pretty well. Some games to look at for this weekend. It's the Derby weekend. It's Game of Origins as well. So the guys will be wearing their club or high school socks whilst playing the fixture. I think that's quite a cool, cool idea to incorporate in the competition. Oh, that is very, very good. But yeah, just to confirm, we're talking about the Irk here, right? The Irk indeed. Ronnie, on Saturday, we have the first one at Ellis Park. I know you're going to be going to Ellis Park this weekend. Lions versus the Sharks at three o'clock. Honestly, the Sharks have been so disappointed that, you know, I have to just have to go with the Lions. Yo, this is a tough one. I'm going for Sharks. That's why I'm so bad on Super Brew at the moment. I'm loyal to the core. I'm really suffering because of it. But yeah, hopefully the Sharks can get get a win there. Ronnie, Benetton versus Glasgow. Benetton, the surprise package of the URC this season, hey? They lost to Leinster last weekend, but second on the lock. Yeah, absolutely. So well done to them. You know, and it's always good to see uh, them doing well because, you know, it gives us a bit of hope for Italy. Yeah, true. You would expect it to translate upwards. Then here in Pretoria, Ronald. Nice 5 p.m. kickoff in Pretoria. It has been bloody hot here. I'm talking 33, 34 degrees. So that's going to be a hectic game on Saturday. Stormers haven't lost to South African side since December 2021 when they went down to the Lions. Bulls at home and Bulls on the up. Who's taking this one, Ronnie? Yeah, look, I think I'm going to go with the Stormers here as much as I don't want that to happen. I want the Bulls to win, but I think the Stormers just have the Bulls number uh, in recent times. Remembering the fact that so many Springboks are being rested at the moment, I think the Bulls have a pretty good shot here, hey? Could be. I think the, the high-felt advantage for South African teams, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean much anymore. So, yeah, Stormers for the win. Yeah, and possibly even a start for Stormers convert Wandesila Similani debuting in the previous round of the URC. Maybe he gets a start against his former side. That'll be interesting to see for sure. Ronnie, we go over then. Cardiff versus Leinster. I think that's going to be quite a walkover for Leinster. 
proving still to be the powerhouses of the competition, at least until the quarterfinals. The team to beat, the team to, yeah, I suppose Leinster, Leinster just wins. That's what they do. Except they're yeah. kind of like Ireland, you know, when it gets to crunch time, they can't crack it. Yeah, ditching out in the, the playoff stages, eh? Yeah, so some URC action on this weekend, guys, that can keep you all busy there. We've also had the Varsity Cup return, Ronnie, I must admit, with home team Tux not participating. It's quite a hard competition to watch. Yeah, so the Shield uh, isn't exactly very exciting at this point to follow, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely not great. Good win for Marty's over Ikey's, though. 15-10 win at the week, the weekend on Monday night, sorry. Uh, so well done to them. And the Eagles, look, they're doing very, very well. 49-15 point win over the University of the Western Cape. Ronnie, you know, Super Rugby, also back. It's a competition I've really sort of stopped watching. It's one we're not going to cover too much here. But I just thought everyone should know that the Chiefs got a 33 to 29 point win mm-hmm. over the Crusaders. And I got full points for this game, Ronald. Okay, so you got one game right the whole weekend. Yeah, but so did you. You picked the exact same thing as me. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Cheating, hey, cheating, Ronnie. I'm on to you, bud. But yeah, so that's, you know, is the Crusaders reign over now. Razor Scott Robinson is now with the All Blacks. Many of those stalwarts of the uh, Crusaders team have moved on. Is this the year of the Chiefs, DMAC and the Chiefs? I'd like to think so. I think DMAC is deserving. The Chiefs have always been my favorite team from, from New Zealand. So yeah, please. Yeah, Ronnie, then just quickly for those of you that are looking to buy tickets, the Springbok tickets will be going on sale from the 4th of March. There is pre-sale for DSTV customers as well as FNB banking clients. And you guys can get your tickets a little bit earlier. But the Springboks test schedule confirmed, Ronnie. And how exciting. We're going to be playing a curtain raiser for the Barbarians versus Fiji against Wales. That's going to be at Twickenham. Then we face back-to-back home tests at Pretoria and Durban against the Irish. Then after Bloemfontein to face Portugal. And then later on in September, we'll be having the All Blacks at Ellis Park, the All Blacks in Cape Town. And Los Pumas in, in Bombay. I've already booked for all the games, Ronnie, all of them. You mean you've booked accommodation, flights and everything? Yeah, no, I just need to get my hands on the tickets. So I'm looking forward to that. Hoping you're going to join for at least one or two of them. It's been a long time since mm-hmm. I've been to a Bok game uh, without Ronald there. So it'll be, be lacquer, but I know Lindsay will be keen to join in. Ronnie, Kwaka Smith missing the July series with a tendon injury. He's a player that I think we really, really needed. Jesse Creel also joining him. His thumb is injured and Fuff had surgery on his knee also in doubt for July. So that rebuilding phase starting earlier than probably planned with some of these key players missing. Yeah, I don't think it makes much of a difference, right? It just means, you know, those are the positions that you can have to trial a lot earlier. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Ronnie, this documentary, now it's a few weeks ago that we watched it and it came out, but the Full Contact, the Six Nations documentary. What did you rate it out of 10? Like that, I thought exactly what I, I expected it to be. You know, it's followed the same recipe as Drive to Survive, and I'm a big fan of Drive to Survive. So, yeah, I thought it was uh, exceptionally good. Nice little insight and nice little summary of the previous season before the next Six Nations tournament starts. Yeah, for me, it was a soft four. Hey? Didn't get me going. I think they didn't have enough for the hardcore fan, nor did they have enough for fans that they were trying to attract. I thought it lacked quite a bit of passion, but I suppose it's also difficult when you're doing a competition and not necessarily one team and following a team story or something like that. So I'm not so sure I would be keen to see it remade, but that has been announced. There will be a second one made. Well, it was one of the most viewed 
you know, shows on Netflix at the time. It was number one in Ireland, number three in Scotland and England at the time. So I think yeah, maybe that's just people that, that tuned in to see what it was like. With that said, I think it's, it's still a good summary for anyone going into the next season. And, you know, keep it makes things a little bit fresh in the mind before the uh, rivalries kick off. Yeah, fair enough. I'll give you that, Ronald. Then the Springbok alignment camp. So that's going to take place next weekend. 16 newbies added to this. And two in particular I'd like to talk about. And the first one is the absence of the angry warthog, Akar Fandamova. He returned to the Bulls, but he's missed out on selection for the alignment camp. Do you think he should have been in there, Ronald? Yeah, I thought he should have been in there from day one, uh, years or years back. You know, I've always been a big fan of Akar. Angry Warthog, you know, his time at the Sharks, his time at the Lions. You know, when he played for the Lions initially, then he was exceptionally good. He's just been a little bit unfortunate over the years. Bongi and Malcolm Marx, you know, and us not taking a third booker. And what do you make of Sanele Nohamba potentially playing 10 in that first test against Wales? Because if the Stormers progress through to the URC playoffs, Arnie won't be available. Pollard won't be available because it's outside the test window. That leaves... Nohamba, the next in line. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Sanele Nohamba. I thought he couldn't cut the mustard uh, at the Sharks, uh, but he's definitely proven me wrong. He's a very exciting player. I think a couple of weeks ago we spoke about uh, Sanele Nohamba and what a great performance he had for the Lions. What a complete performance he had as and as a 10. And he's he's most likely going to be that that utility halfback for the Springboks going forward. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what role he plays. But also, Ronnie, something that's absolutely ridiculous for me is how much criticism Russie's already getting. I mean, this is a coach that's won us back-to-back World Cups. How can you complain about anything that he plans and does now? And Russie came out and said, guys, this is not a squad. This is not a selected 32-man squad. This is an alignment camp. These are players we want to talk mm-hmm. to, get to know, meet, see if they fit in. To be criticizing this is absolutely ridiculous. And especially leveling criticism against one particular player because it's his daughter's uh, boyfriend. Absolute nonsense. Yeah, I think whatever Rossi says, everyone should just respond with yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. There can be no criticism of this guy. He's earned that much. Then, Ronnie, a good guy we had on the show a while back, someone that we, we really enjoyed hosting on the show, Matt Proudfoot. He's been named coach of the Leopards. You know, that's my home province. Proud Leopard fan over here. So, Matt, good luck with that endeavor. Head coach role, I know you were seeking one of those out. So great to see that, man, and congratulations. Ronnie, the Laureus Sports Awards. So the Springboks have been nominated in this for the, the top award, going up against Man City. Now, I don't know anything about soccer. I did ask around the office, and apparently what Man City achieved is pretty epic, but I'm hoping the box can steal that one. It has to be the box, right? So there's, there's a bigger story behind the Springboks and behind Sia. I also don't know much about soccer, so I'm just going to presume that the Springbok story is bigger and better. <laughs> it's definitely better. I don't know if it's bigger, but I'm hoping it is. We may be living in denial. And then Sia Khaleesi also announced in the Laureus Sports Awards for biggest comeback of the year, from knee injury to World Cup winning captain. Yeah, that's definitely impressive what he did with his ACL. I think they used Bradley Putty to get him over the line. But yeah. Yeah. So those those are going to come up. When the votes are out, we'll post the link, guys. You can all get in there and support our boys for the award. Ronnie, then we haven't done this in a while, but the May Fork Chom moment of the week. 
So this week, it has to go out to something Duan van der Merwe was involved in. And you know how much I love a cheeky chip kick. I do them against you all the time on rugby, on Xbox. Successfully. Successfully. Sorry, Ronnie misspoke there, everybody. And also, I think a little bit of me believes I could do it in real life. You know, if called upon, I think I could do it, Ronnie. What do you reckon? You would pull a hamstring if you tried. <laughs> I think I could do the Manu Lubbock no-look cross-kick and put Kirtley Aronser away. I've got a bit... You would do the no-look kick because you were trying to grubber it straight ahead and then shank off the side of your boot to read the other way. So that's the only way you would be doing a no-look cross-kick. Yes, ye of little faith, Ronnie. You'd swear, who needs enemies? When no, you're... dude, I know you. I know you. There's no way you've got the cohorts of an idiot. So this one goes out to Finn Russell's chip kick. He chipped it lacquer into Duan van der hands. And classic finish for Duan as he got three tries for Scotland this weekend and the fourth Calcutta Cup for uh, Scotland over England. Well, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for joining for the banter and staying for the chat. My fuck, John. That was luck. Make sure you smash that like button and subscribe on your preferred listening platform so you won't miss a moment of the madness. Catch you back here next Wednesday.